As most full-fledged films do, this documentary has its own handsome poster for publicity purposes. Filling the frame is a still photograph of a young football player in his uniform and helmet sitting on a bench, a photo taken by filmmaker Al Monelli in the locker room of the Southern Columbia Football Tigers. And we might not notice the seeming contradiction at first. We can't see the player's face because of the helmet and because his head is lowered. Also because his body is bent over, elbows on his knees, hands clasped together in front, as if in exhaustion or defeat. Or is it contemplation or prayer? The irony results from the presence in the lower left of the poster of the title of the film, ROAR, in huge capital letters. It's the energy of that verb, ROAR, the noise we hear even as we read the title, that is totally missing in the lad who is captured by the camera, not as we'd expect from that title, in a gesture of victory, arms held high with a tight fighting fist, though there are plenty of those images in the film itself, the photograph might in fact be featuring a player who has given his all, given everything for the good of the team, for yet another winning game. And if so, perhaps we can better understand the question the poster and the film ask. Is this fatigue, defeat, or perhaps a player carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders and showing the enormous Atlas-like strain? Al Manelli is an award-winning filmmaker who is a compelling storyteller, and he treats his subject or subjects with respect and the complexity and reality they deserve. And so while he has chosen to create a documentary about the Southern Columbia High School football team, the Tigers of the title, who roar, the record-setting winningest team in the state, he will draw us in into the rich and surprising story of their 2022 season, and he'll bring to us, the viewers, an experience of the responsibility the team members feel to continue the long tradition of winning games and winning seasons, and he will ask about the stress that all brings to bear on them, but also about the bonds of friendship that prevail. Al Manelli is an award-winning filmmaker who works on the WVIA production team, and his most recent documentary, Agnes 50, has been honored with a Pennsylvania Association of Broadcasters Award, with other awards still, no doubt, to follow. Roar! The story of the Southern Columbia Football Tigers will have its broadcast premiere tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on WVIA-TV and online at WVIA.org. And Al walked down the hallway to join us in the radio studios to talk about his exciting new movie. This film really just started as a passion project that I wanted to do. Uh, I've always wanted to tell a story in the high school football milieu. And, you know, I always wanted to tell the story of Berwick. And this was sort of the original dynasty in high school football in the state. You know, they had a very kind of boisterous head coach and, and really a lot of NFL players. So, you know, I grew up going to George Curry's quarterback camp as a kid, as a little kid. And I was like, man, I would love to make a documentary about these guys. 
And unfortunately, he passed away and, and someone else made a, a documentary that was online and it was very good. So I was kind of, well, who would be next in line? And it was, you know, there's only one team and it's Southern Columbia. And I mean, they have been the state champion coming into this past season. They were the state champions for 12 times. I mean, that's just bonkers. You know, the next highest amount was six. So it was pretty straightforward. Like this is the team to go with. But at the same time, it's like, is there a story there? Or is this just a team that wins? Is, it, is there anything that I can latch on to? So I, I kind of researched them a little bit. And then I reached out to coach and I figured I needed his buy-in first before anything. I kind of started with him. I was kind of teasing him little things, you know, my vision for the film kind of. And once I had Coach Roth from Southern Columbia, once I had him kind of say, okay, you know, let's, let's do this, it didn't take any convincing. I was a little surprised by that. You know, I didn't have to kind of massage him a little bit to make this happen. And I, I think part of that is because this team gets accused a lot of kind of recruiting players or, you know, they're, they're cheating somehow to win all these championships. No, no one can do this legitimately. So I think he looked at it as a way, hey, I'm not hiding anything. Let's have a filmmaker follow us for a whole year in the locker room on the sidelines. He never once told me, you can't go in there. You can't film that. You know, not to spoil too much of the film, but they they lose in in the season, and that just doesn't happen. And so they lose this game to Loyal Sock, and he lets me in the coaches' room right after the game, where all of the coaches are kind of sitting around having this post mortem about what happened. And and most coaches, to most coaches, that's sort of a sacred time. That's where you just let things fly, and and really, you don't want players to hear what you're saying in those moments. And to let me be in there and for him to kind of, you know, talk about a, an injured player that they that they were without and that his loss was really, you know, it really impacted that game because he wasn't there. I mean, he would never say that to his team, but to see him open up like that and say that to the other coaches. I mean, that was just an example of something. I was like, wow, I can't I can't believe I'm standing here filming the winningest coach in Pennsylvania history in a locker room after they lose, uh, it was just bizarre. It was surreal. The whole experience was surreal. Had you earned his trust by that point? Was that early in the season? Or do you think either way he just was committed to the making of this? Yeah. I mean, he kind of viewed it as kind of like Hard Knocks, that show on HBO where film crews go into an NFL team and just kind of film everything. I was kind of going for a little bit of a different tone and vibe with this film than Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks is more like, you know, yeah, we're going to show how tough and gruff football is and cursing and blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. So I was more after just what is it like to be a, a high school kid playing for this unbelievable program and the pressure that that puts on them. So I, I think I had his trust from the beginning, but at that point, I don't think I was to him an expected fixture of everything yet. You know, I had been at the games, I had been at practices, I had been around, but I, at some point in the middle of the season, it was like, oh, okay, I, it was second nature. It was comfortable that I was there. At this point, it was still, when I would show up, he'd be like, oh, you're here, you know? <laughs> you know, I said I would be, I'm here. It, it was still that kind of thing. 
And I think that helped with the players too, because once things started going south, once there were injuries and losses and things were going downhill, the fact that I was still there and still showing up, I think that let some players realize, oh, he's he's part of us, you know? And I did kind of become a de facto part of the team in a way, not that I was had any influence over anything, but I think just because I was there in the locker room for all these games, especially in the postseason, I was just part of it, you know. They they anticipated it. They I was welcomed all the time. Well, there are scenes in the locker room, and you show us some intimate moments, some tears, some embraces, just some gentle taps mm-hmm. when the players are down, for example. There's a lot of body language that expresses emotion on the part of these young players. They don't explain it away with words or you don't do that. You just let us see what what that bonding is. Yeah, it was interesting because they were very affectionate with each other. And they are. I mean, there's instances that I just don't have on film that I saw personally, but they were very, you know, hugging and and handshaking and, and holding hands walking out. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't see much of that where I went to high school. It was there a little bit, but not to the extent that these guys had it. I mean, they were very um, supportive of each other. I mean, you mentioned those moments in the locker room. I I mean, that was just another example of I can't believe I'm here and that they don't, either they don't notice me or they don't mind, but they were very just openly affectionate about how much they love and respect each other. And it it was really special to see that because... I didn't realize, you know, again, when I was growing up, I just didn't feel that with kids my age. And to see it with this generation, I don't know if it's a generational thing, but it was it was inspiring, actually. I mean, you don't see that, or at least I don't. And, and to see just how much they, they took care of each other was, was pretty awesome. And we have to begin as viewers, don't we, to identify with at least some of the characters, <laughs> right? So we have Isaac and we have Barnsey and Ron. I love that you call him Barnsey. Because, <laughs> yeah, no, the one coach refers to him as Barnsey, yeah. Uh, Wes, Wes Barnes, yeah. So I think Wes and Isaac are kind of the two, you know, they have probably the most screen time. And then there's Braden, who's probably their, their best player. Those three sort of you had to kind of narrow it down a little bit. And it's funny, going into the season, I, I had a different view of who those players would be. I mean, Isaac wasn't even on my radar in the preseason. I mean, he was just their kicker. And, you know, what happens with him is just mind-blowing. <laughs> uh, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but but he really becomes an important part of the team. And then Wes, I mean, Wes is like, I feel like every little kid aspires to be like Wes Barnes. I mean, just the toughest. He is just that personification of football when you think of the tough, doesn't take crap, just uh, physical, hard-nosed. I mean, you know, there's scenes where he's got a bloody nose, he's got blood on his elbow. Lots of things happen with him throughout the film. And then I also wanted to kind of show a a different side of that, you know, so I, I think it's kind of humorous to see what he kind of wants to do with his life. Not necessarily humorous, but you don't expect it because we really set him up as this tough guy. And then I think the career path that he wants is kind of fascinating. What about when we look at the overall culture of high school football in America? We know that many high school 
football teams have this responsibility of supporting their community pride and their community self-image because so many people identify with it. But the winning part of this makes the pressure that you talked about so much more intense. And there are some shots that you give us where the bodies of the players are slumping, shoulders collapsed. It's not just this year, this season. It's the cumulative weight of history, right? It's all those years. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we were talking before and you were mentioning thinking about the film and trying to find some subtext and and things like that. And so their football field, you have to kind of go down a hill. So it's at the bottom of this hill and you're kind of looking up when you're in the stadium. And there's this giant white wall that just hovers above the stadium. And it has all these state championship years and these conference championship and district championship and all these years are on there. And Isaac says in the film, you know, it's a good thing to have this history to look up to. And then here's this sort of visual metaphor that just hangs over them. Every game, they can't escape it. It's there. And it's huge. I mean, it's got a giant tiger on it. And again, it has all these championship years. So... That that pressure, I was always curious, how much does that affect the kids? And I think at first, it doesn't seem to really affect them. But when things start going south, you kind of see it then manifest and how they're not used to this. They're not used to being second place or third place or fourth place in their district. So that old adage of the measure of a champion is not determined by you know how many times their hand is raised. It's by what, what they do when they're knocked down. And that's how you measure the value of a champion. And I think these guys, their story this year with everything on and off the field, I mean, it just culminated into this really strong brotherhood. And I think whatever happens at the end of the movie, they, they are champions not wanting to tip your hand and give away the impact of what happens at the end. But it seems that this left curve that comes in at at the end gives us a sense of also, has this season prepared these young players for other things that might be unexpected? And so this is a life lesson that they're going to learn Mm -hmm. at the end. And it's not a football lesson necessarily. It's a lesson in life and the way life is lived in our current time. It's funny you bring that up because in the preseason, so coming into this season, they're the five-time defending state champions, five years in a row. And in those five seasons, they had a record of 85-1. and So that's astonishing. And... I asked some of the players, and one in particular who's headed to the University of Maryland, a Division One school to play football. I was like, "Do you feel cheated a little bit that you're not you're missing out on character building? You know, playing half a game and beating a team fifty to nothing. Yes, that's great for you know your stats, but is it great for inside your heart, your determination, and?" I don't think anyone ever asked him that question before. (laughs) He's like, I don't know, maybe. And then, lo and behold, this season would would be that litmus test, and I think they all kind of passed in a way. What about the adults, the coach himself? Because we get to see a lot of coach. He's an unusual fellow. Well, he's pretty quiet, 
and he's not your typical like when you think of a football coach you think of someone like George Curry who was Berwick's old coach and you know he would you know you guys got to you know that kind of coach he's not that at all um there's a scene obviously he gets very upset in the locker room which is very unusual i've had former players tell me they've never heard him yell once in 4 years and in this film we get you know, we get that one that one scene, and then there's a few other moments where he just says one thing. But yeah, he's he's a very stoic, and and I kind of I kind of like leaders like that. You know, he's kind of that CEO in the room who's quiet, lets everyone kind of you know carry on and make their point and say their side of the story, and then he just does all the math in his head and leads the leads the team or company in the right way. So. Uh, you know, I talked to him quite a bit, and he was always, always nice and and very chatty. And I think that was one thing that a lot of people always said was he's very chatty. You know, he's not this sort of boisterous guy, but if, you're, if it's you and him hanging out, he'll talk. You know, he could talk for hours. And I always enjoyed talking to him, and and he had such a knowledge of of high school football, not just Southern Columbia, but the state in general. I mean, he could rattle off teams from the Pittsburgh area, what they did, and Again, it's that stoicism, though, that I think is what makes them successful. And, you know, it's that steady, steady leadership. And does he seem to look at them as individual players and respect who they are so that they can do their best? Is that something that you detected? Yeah, he's not very big on compliments. And he says that in the film. And... He has his assistants do that. You know, he's got certain assistants who will be the, you know, there's one who's who's the sort of pump-up coach, and there's another one who's sort of like the, the maternal figure. If a player gets upset, he kind of consoles them. But he he tries to kind of keep them at bay as as his players. You know, he, he said to me in an interview, and it's not in the film, but he said, you know, I get to know them a lot better than they get to know me. And I think that's kind of important because if you know your coach so it, it it it's a different it's a different experience. He he has this way of making them want to play great for him. Obviously themselves and the program but for him too. And when you have to kind of work a little harder to get that good job, that's definitely a move, you know, that's a coaching tactic and it it works. Do you know why he is so passionate about football? why he's devoted his life to football and young people? I'm not even sure if he knows, you know, and, and that's what's interesting. It's just it's just in his DNA from just talking with him and, and seeing how he, I mean, he grew up, he played football in high school for Shikalimi, which is in Sunbury, and he went to Lock Haven and played football there. And then when he graduated, I think it was like a year or two later, he became an assistant coach for Southern Columbia. And then I think it was just something that just kept snowballing for him. And eventually you're winning state championships. And, and so it. I don't know if he, if he prepared for that or if he thought, you know what, I'm going to coach this team for 40 years and win all these state championships. It was just, it's the same thing that makes most successful people successful. And I think he understood what it what it was. And it's doing the same thing literally over and over again, every single day, year after year. I mean, most people think success is kind of instantaneous or overnight, but it's it's every single day waking up early, putting in the in the time and and just 
honing it day in, day out, over and over and over and over. And you can apply that to anything, not just football, obviously. And he understood that. And just the longevity of it. I mean, all of a sudden, one day it's like, oh, Jim Roth is the winningest coach in the state and he's got the most state championships. And that wasn't something that people were predicting five, ten years before it happened. So it was just, it just kept improving slowly and slowly. And all of a sudden they win one state championship. And then that just begets more. Winning begets winning. And it's an attitude for sure. You, as a filmmaker, Al, are very sensitive to visual cues, and you mentioned the wall as a metaphor in a certain way, looking up to the history and the tradition of the team, the winningest team. Are there other things that you have used in a way as things that help reinforce emotions or just the narrative? Well, I don't think any, you know, most of it is the wall is the most significant one, I think, just because it it represents what I wanted, kind of my main thesis for the film, which was essentially, you know, how these teenagers cope with this kind of unusual pressure. Most kids don't have that. And and so that was, you know, I, I kind of treated it almost like my uh, my monolith. In, in 2001, A Space Odyssey, this big black monolith keeps showing up. And uh, I kind of shoot it that way, too. You kind of look up at it, and it has this sort of angular feel to it. So that it was sort of a nod to to. 2001 a space odyssey but no i just wanted to I, I wanted to create something different than i've done in the past so a lot of times in sports movies or sports literature store anything it's it always comes down to david versus goliath i mean that's just how it is hoosiers rudy rocky you know remember the titans it's always david versus goliath every story is about david it's can David do it? I went into this film saying, I want to learn about Goliath. I want to see his side of the story. Again, because everyone, you know, this team, it's natural when a team wins all the time, like the Yankees or Tom Brady. People want to see them lose. So people want to see Southern Columbia lose, especially out west where they keep getting beat by Southern Columbia. So I, I wanted to kind of focus on on Goliath. And then it ended up becoming a David story ultimately, but that's, you know, that's just what happens. But that was sort of what I wanted to go into. So I really, in the beginning especially, there's this kind of opening montage that hopefully positions them as the unbeatable juggernaut program that they are. And then we kind of hard cut to something from this season and you see it, nope, there might be some cracks. And the title, of course. <laughs> Roar. <laughs> I can't say it as, as as good as Chris in the in the commercial. <laughs> roar. But yeah, roar. So obviously you have the roar of the tiger, but the roar of the crowd. There's a lot of roaring to not sound cheesy, but yeah. Those of us who know you as a filmmaker, Al, know how important music is to you. Mm-hmm. What about roar and music? So music, this, this film, music was probably the most important of any film I've ever made because it's a, it was it's it's a sports movie essentially so it needs you need to feel pumped up especially at certain moments you know so it it was difficult but I'm a I'm a morning runner and we use a, a website where we get music from here at WVIA for our films so in my morning runs I would I would go through this website and I would listen to the music and 
skip ahead and go, no, that's not right. So as I'm working out, I'm listening to this music and and if it could sustain my workout, if I felt like, ooh, this is this is good, I would mark it as a favorite. And that's how I found a lot of the music for the film was just running and and searching this website. And yeah, I found some pieces that I, I mean, look, I, I've made the film, I've edited the film, I've seen it a zillion times now. There's a few moments and it's they're all music related where I get pumped up. <laughs> let me let me go. And I was there. I, I experienced it in real life and still I get kind of caught up in, in the scene. So yeah, the music was definitely a big part of this film and hopefully it, other people get kind of psyched up by it too. This is not just a central Pennsylvania story. This is not just a Pennsylvania story. I think so. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, so the book Friday Night Lights, which I think when you think of high school football, Friday Night Lights is kind of like the the grandfather of (laughs) high school football because it really launched everything. The book from 1990 that followed the 1988 Permian Panthers, there was a movie, there was a TV show. There's probably going to be more things about it coming, but that was about a West Texas high school football team and it became this huge bestseller so popular enough that it warranted a movie and a TV show and you know that was an instance where their publisher and and the writer of the book just figured hey it'll do well in Texas but I think high school sports especially football it's such a national thing because number one most people have that high school experience not playing football but going to high school and the football team, you always hear about the football team, whether they're, and everyone has a story. It's like, oh, my team stunk, you know, or oh, my team was great, or my team, we always had that one team down, you know, our rival the next town over, we couldn't beat them. So everyone has that experience. We're just going to the game and maybe hanging out with your friends, not even watching the game. It kind of became, for high school kids throughout the decade, something to do. You know, most of the kids who went to the game probably didn't even care about the game. It was just something to do on a Friday night when you're in high school because there's nothing else to do. Now that's slightly different because all these, you know, phones and apps and everything. But it kind of embedded high school football because it's a Friday night. It's not like baseball or basketball when they're different days. It's Friday night. It's the weekend. You're 16. You're looking for something to do. And that's, I think, why high school football has really embedded itself into the culture. So I think this story, just because of the nature of high school football, I think anyone can sit and watch it and enjoy it and understand what they're seeing, that this is this powerhouse team from Pennsylvania in a small town, too. I think what makes their team even more special is that it's such a small town. In in these huge towns that have football teams, there's fans, obviously, but it's not really super embedded into the culture because it's such a big town and there's so much other stuff going on. In this town, everybody knows Southern Columbia. Everyone knows the Tigers. And I think the town is, it, it puts them on the map, you know, whether they, they like it or not. They are on the map because they are in this town, Elysburg, Catawissa, and New Media, these three small towns that make up the Southern Columbia School District. But overall, 
my hope is that anyone who watches this, especially people who might be some of those Southern Columbia haters who, oh, tired of seeing them win, you know, maybe they'll still feel that way after the movie, but hopefully they could at least say, you know what, I, I respect the hard work from these players, from these coaches, and they are doing things right. Al Monelli, an award-winning filmmaker who works on the WVIA production team, speaking with us about his new documentary titled Roar, the story of the Southern Columbia Football Tigers that will have its broadcast premiere tomorrow night at 8 o'clock on WVIA-TV and online at wvia.org. That's Roar, the story of the Southern Columbia Football Tigers, and that was created by Al Monelli. He is an award-winning filmmaker, and we're fortunate to have him on our team. You may have seen his recent documentary, Agnes 50, that has garnered awards. And Al Monelli and the WVIA team will be in the area of the Southern Columbia Football Tigers to share the film with them this evening. They'll get a preview before the broadcast, and there'll even be a pep rally of sorts. So that's Roar, the story of the Southern Columbia Football Tigers, tomorrow night on WVIA-TV. That's Thursday, the 11th of May, at 8 o'clock. And you can also watch it online at wvia.org. And for more information on the web, wvia.org, wvia.org.